New game day shirt? Boom. Cash back. Food for the tailgate? Boom. Cash back. Even buying a round can earn you cash back when you use your debit card. And yes, I said debit card. With Discover Cashback Debit, everyone can earn cash back on everyday purchases. Look, in sports, it's hard to predict who is taking the win, but you know what's guaranteed to win? Discover Cashback Debit. Oh, and did I mention there are no fees, period? I'm telling you, this one, it's a real game changer. Check out transaction eligibility and terms at discover.com slash cashbackdebit. Discover Bank, member FDIC. Soccer Show and our latest batch of listener questions. On today's show, we're ranking CONCACAF players, we're sending a USMNT player to Saudi Arabia, and we're messing with the rules of the sport once again. My name's Ryan Bailey. Joining me today, a man who is just about to open up the champagne to celebrate Man United's great news, record revenue for the current financial year. Woo! Oh, sorry, listen, you probably heard a few more champagne corks pop in there. Taylor Rockwell's very happy, aren't you, Taylor? Oh, so happy and yeah. not at all paying attention to the 700 million in debt that was also announced at the same time. Doing great. Record debt, but also record profits. That's mm. what you want when you're selling a club. I love it. Don't worry about the debt. Have your glass half full, not half empty, Tete. That's what I say. We'll all stand around that financial report with a cigar and admire it like a newborn baby. That's what we'll do. Yes, and and then also look at all the signings they aren't making and are failing to secure and just be like, this is it. This is great. We are doing it. I can't wait to finish seventh. What a time to be alive. Joining us, Tate, a man who's officially pulled out of the race to sign Declan Rice as we speak. Graham Ruthven, hello. I don't have a spare £105 million lying around Ryan Bailey. That is the going price for a Declan Rice, apparently. Um, Mm. Didn't realise that would... That would rhyme, stealing your thunder a little bit there, Ryan, with a, a rhyming intro. Yeah, I can't believe Declan Rice is a 100 million pound player. Um, good player, just yep. nah, I'm unsure. Graham, do you buy into the idea that uh, Man City are just artificially inflating the price? Yeah, a little just, bit. Just to bother Arsenal? Okay, cool. <laughs> They're doing a Ronaldo, a Cristiano Ronaldo. Yes, we definitely want this player and yep. have a plan yep. for him. You need to pay double what you were a week ago. Yeah, I kind of do think that Man City are kind of being uh, evil geniuses here. It's not like them. <laughs> Well, a listener doesn't know that a TSS actually bid 100 million last week to make this rumor stop and to make the saga end, but um, we, we may have played our part in doing that as well. So apologies <laughs> to everyone involved, uh, particularly Arsenal Football Club. Uh, rounding out our pack for this listener questions, a man who's looking forward to Gold Cup action at Cat Food Stadium and at the world's greatest city, Charlotte, North Carolina, Joseph Lowry, who just told us before we recorded he's a big fan of a big clanging noise. Hello, Joe. Right, who doesn't like a big clang? Like I, I said it before we started. I don't know who's like anti-clang. If you want to have a popular take, like I'm not trying to come in sizzling. If you just want something that's like going to get everybody on your side, I think everybody's pro big clang. It's not controversial. Yeah. Um, I, oh, I, I do know that our context TSS on our Discord now has its first entry for this uh, episode, Joe. Thank you very much. <laughs> yeah, no, no problem. <laughs> Off the rails inside of three minutes. That's not bad work, guys. That's not I bad would work. say a clang is not kind of top of top of my list. All right, for noise. Graham. Is that- 
I, I have like a dong clop at the, to, like top of the list, like dong. Like a or is that a clang? Is that just a different sort of clang? Uh, is a dong a different type of clang? No, I don't. I think dong and clang are, are separate in this particular instance. Right, okay. Um, I, I would Goodness classify me. a dong as more belly and a clang as more cymbally or triangly yeah. almost. Um, but I, I can understand some confusion. I prefer a dong. All right. All right, there's the next entry into the uh, out of context TSS. Thank you very much, Graham, for that one. Uh, gents, it's good to be back. I've been away for a few days. Uh, you may have noticed I moved country. I went to a music festival this past weekend. I appear to have missed something called hot shots and people giving themselves really oh, wow, spicy yeah. things to take their attention away from them having cramp. Graham, what's, what's going on here? So I've ordered you some, Ryan. They should arrive uh, to your house some sometime today or tomorrow. Yeah, for anyone who, anyone who hasn't seen this, and I hadn't seen this until I was briefed by the, the TSS Discord on this, it seems like something that is particularly, pop, particularly popular in the NWSL, yep. where players who are cramping will take a shot of, I believe, something that is incredibly spicy that aggravates the nerves in, in the mouth and then the body, the brain, basically stops paying attention to the cramp because the thing in the mouth is so uh, it's like it's so it's so horrible so the yeah, human body is so stupid the human body is so <laughs> stupid i sprained my ankle so i stabbed myself yeah. now i feel better Whoa, like look that, over yeah. here just spicy. eat a banana just eat a banana it's fine it seems to work though it seems to work yeah yeah the thing i couldn't get my head around is this is this is like a real product that is sold i thought it was a little bit like when they make a uh, Doc in Back to the Future 3, the wake-up juice in the bar, and it's like the physios that make up. But no, this is apparently something you can buy on the internet. No, wow. Yeah, but I mean, to be fair, we've never been able to buy unscrupulous or suspicious products online. It's all totally That's reputable. Uh, yeah, I, I was listening to the Always Sunny podcast today where they were going through all of their various like sham medicines that they use at different points, <laughs> and it, it does feel sort of the same. But with that said... I believe one of you all committed us to doing this at the next live show. So uh, that was Joe. <laughs> hot shots in the future. Here we I, go. I will say, I will say the CBS morning footy crew I saw on my Twitter feed just before we started did this. And I was watching it without volume because we were about to start recording. Um, but it looked like none of them had a reaction. So I'll have to mm. go back and actually watch that. Oh, but I, maybe that is... if you're like so ready for it and you're like, you know, really focused on being stoic, you can get through that. it without a reaction. Um, but I, w I was a little bit disappointed by that. I'll admit, wow. Alyssa Thompson and Michelle Cooper did much, much better for us. I am not surprised by that at all. I can absolutely see all of them be like, "It's not even hot, man. I don't even, I don't even feel it as they're like, like tears rolling out of their eyes, yeah. like little like, like smoke cloud above their head. Like, no, nah, I don't even. It's good. It's good. Yeah, and then they, they, they go to break. They go to yeah. break. Alexis is downing milk, like pints <laughs> yes, <exactly>. of milk. <laughs> well, well, now we know what we need to do at the next, next TSS live show, which incidentally is our Las Vegas residency, as we've established as canon. Uh, we're going to do a version of the hot chicken wing thing, where we get increasingly hot hot shots. And we have a conversation during it. We're all agreed, right? <laughs> Excellent. Good. Okay, let's move on. Shall we? Sure, why not? <laughs> Patreon.com slash Total Soccer Show for more of this nonsense if you'd like to join us and help support us listen up. In the meantime, we have plenty of listener questions. TotalSoccerShow.com slash questions if you'd like to submit one, like all of these folk have, including Phil Doucet, who's been in touch and says, good news, you've just won the mega lotto and want to buy a European soccer club and stock it with the best and brightest male US players. Which club and league do you buy in to give the most players from the June USMNT roster, aka BJ Under Champs, to give them a decent run at a league a title name. and a Champions League run? That is a great name. I'm very much enjoying that. That can become Sounds canon. like a, like a 1950s doo-wop band or something. <laughs> BG and the Champs. <laughs> All right, you crazy cats. That one was BG and the Champs. Yeah. Uh, very good. <laughs> 
All right, Graham. Um, I've I've got the answer to Phil's question. I believe the club we buy with our lotto mega lotto winning is Lille in France. Uh, there's a few reasons for this. Affordable because um, you're not going to get billions from a Euro a mega lotto. I don't believe these days. So I think r- r- in the affordable realm, a, a top league side, they're owned by a, an investment fund at the moment. But in Liga, obviously, you get two Champions League spots. Uh, second spot, a bit of a flex. Always up for grabs, I would suggest, in Liga. Um, I would suggest also it's harder to get into the Champions League in any other top league. No necessary disrespect to Liga on there, but just by the nature of that second spot. Lille already have a USMNT player, of course, as well. It's Lille, Graham. It's Lille. Well, they did. I believe he's pretty close to a move to Juventus, which I quite like for uh, for Timothy Weir, but that's besides mm. the point. I kind of I stayed away from the big five leagues just because I know Phil's question says a decent run at a league title, and you could argue Lille could have a decent run. They've, in recent memory, won a, a league on title. But I kind of looked to leagues that have an automatic route into the Champions League group stages and where there is a divide between the best and the rest where you could feasibly buy a club and kind of stroll to a title a little bit and end up in the Champions League. So I am ruling out the big five leagues. Um, I'm looking at those automatic Champions League places and that leaves the Netherlands, Portugal, Austria, Serbia, Ukraine and Scotland. So I think my answer is either... Red Star, Bel- Red Star Belgrade, who will be in the Champions League group stages this season after winning the Serbian title. Or, to be honest, Celtic or Rangers, which I know is, is maybe I'm slightly biased with that, that answer. But Celtic and Rangers, particularly Rangers, you wouldn't have to spend a huge amount of money to, to buy them. There's a, a Even if you finish second in the Scottish Premiership, you get into the playoff round for, the, for Champions League qualifying. And um, I looked at some other options as well. Young Boys in Switzerland, um, they get into the playoff round from the Swiss League. Mm. Also, Young Boys could be a rap group, including John Tolkien and Cade Cowell. Just saying, just saying, that could be a rap group. The Belgian yeah. champions also get into the Champions League playoff round, and um, that'll be Antwerp this season. I like Belgium as an option, so... Um, yeah, one of one of those options. I'll go with Antwerp. I'm I'm envisaging inserting BJ and the champs into the that final day drama that we had in Belgium a few weeks ago, and <laughs> and, and that would be pretty fun. I like that, Graham. Those are excellent options. And of course, if you buy Young Boys, you get to uh, own and operate the Wankdorf. Of course. <laughs> what, what would what else would you want? You know, that's the that's the the, the deal maker. Indeed. Indeed. Uh, Taylor is uh, <laughs> face palming as we speak. I'm going to ask you to remove your uh, palm <laughs> yeah. from your face, Taylor, to answer the question. <laughs> um, Ryan, you sort of blew this one open for me because I was thinking that if you won the Mega Lotto or whatever it was, it was like billions. To look it up and find out it's about $350 million right now does change my answer a little bit. Pocket change. I had, yeah, I had uh, Lyon uh, as one, and then you can bring in the women's team as well and have success on both fronts. I also was leaning Schalke, uh, but you can't really outright buy them. But you could kind of uh, use the 50 plus one to your advantage and bring them back to where they were. And I think there's already the American uh, pattern there, uh, so to speak. But now that Graham has brought it up, I like Rangers. I think Rangers, I I just looked them up. They're valued at around 175 million pounds. So you are going to run out of that 350 uh, really quickly. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry, 170 pounds total is what they're valued at, not 171 million. Uh, but you are going to run out of your money fairly quickly. But you could buy Rangers and then, yeah, bring in a few. The other confusing part of this is that because we got two different June teams, I'm assuming the BJ and DeCam- the champs that we're uh, referencing here is the Nations League squad. Got to do it with the Gold Cup if you want a real challenge. Got to do it with the oh Gold Cup boy. team. Oh, <laughs> boy. Oh, uh, boy. Matt Turner is my answer. I'm bringing in Matt Turner. And, uh, yeah, we'll see what happens from there. 
Matt Turner now plays baseball, by the way. He switched sports. He's Hitting no longer in the US dingers, team. by the way. That was that was unbelievable. I couldn't I couldn't believe what I was watching because most times, you know, a, a player or a footballer fancies himself at another sport, and you think, uh, all right, yeah, no, yeah. <laughs> he could he genuinely play baseball? Like he seemed very very good at it. So he he played baseball growing up. Apparently, I I sort of had maybe known this in the back of my brain somewhere. He paid, played baseball and goes out and was with the St. Louis <laughs> like, Cardinals and like, like just had two like, dingers right off the bat. It was absolutely unbelievable. Matt Turner is an American hero. Thank you. Couldn't couldn't we all play baseball? To be fair, Joe, or am I being unfair no. to baseball? Hitting a baseball has got to be the hardest thing to do in yeah. professional sports, like by a I would, long ways. I would whiff on every single one of those, and he knocks every single one of them out of the park. Literally, the only, the only thing I could think of, and I don't know much about like F one or NASCAR, would be like being an F one driver or a NASCAR driver, like the reaction time that that requires. But hitting a baseball is so hard. Yeah. Okay, that's fair enough, Joe. Where did you land with Phil's question? Okay. I kind of think I kind of think you all overthought this a little bit. I kind of agree with Graham. I'm taking the easy way out in, in this question. Um, I will be going to San Marino to purchase. Um, <laughs> shoot, I've just lost the name of my team. There, the I, whole I, country. I, I'll be going to purchase Societa Sportiva Cosmos, a club in San Marino named after the New York Cosmos, according to Wikipedia, which is just fantastic. Oh, wow. They will welcome their new American overlords. They finished second in the league in San Marino <laughs> last year. If you finish top of the league in San the Marino, champions. if Not you finish top, you go to like the start of the qualification. Well, I don't want to make it too easy, guys. Uh, you, go to, you go to the start of the, of the Champions League qualification rounds. I'm not concerned about the knockout rounds. Um, I think we're, we're going to see this U.S. team Cosmos group get it done. And then we're going to walk the league. I feel like I feel like this is the hack right here, folks. Yeah, but you've, you've got about 20 rounds of Champions League qualifying to get through. Graham, if, if we've learned one thing about the U.S., it's that they thrive in knock... Oh, wait. No, no, that's not... <laughs> Darn. Wow. That's, Joe, that's there was something. middle ground you could have gone with. You didn't I, have I initially, to go all I legitimately had Red Star Belgrade on my in my notes at first, mm -hmm. and then I just deleted it and looked for something more obscure. And that's why I ended up in San Marino. It, it's going to be nice there. I think we're going to have a good time. It's it's a nice enough place, Joe, but it's about the size of a postage stamp as well. So I'm not sure how they're all going to fit in it. <laughs> that, I mean, that is a fair question. We saw, I think, Alex Zendejas on Weston McKinney's shoulders after they won the Nations League. Maybe everybody's going to have to like buddy up, double up, top to bottom. And that's how they're all going to fit in, in this country. Excellent. Before all right. looking it up, could any of you pointed to where San Marino was? Like, yes, I've been there. Yes, in Italy. It's in Italy. Yeah, it's like it, it's, it might even be landlocked. It's in the north um, northeast of Italy. East, yeah. I've I've actually been there. I've had the stamp in my passport, which is the one thing you can do in San Marino. Hey, <laughs> aside from qualify for the Champions League and, and watching the Cosmos Americans. play, yeah, of course. Ryan. <laughs> All right, I wonder how much the second. Uh, biggest team in San Marino Costa and whether you get changed from a 50 I'm not sure we'll, uh, we'll, have to, we'll have to find out maybe we'll look into that one but in the meantime Phil thank you very much an excellent question to kick things off let's go to Joey Jadlowski hello Joey recently on the podcast the aforementioned Joseph Lowry made mention of the fact that Black Coast team struggles to create chances in attack this has also been one of the biggest criticisms of Greg Berhalter as well how would you compare and contrast these teams' inability to create chances, particularly against lower quality opposition? Is the underlying cause the same, or are there different underlying problems with similar outcomes? Joe, floor is yours. Joey, this is the greatest question in the history of questions. I love it so much. Taylor, Ryan, and Graham don't like it at all. It doesn't matter. I'm here for it. Uh, okay. 
So I think the underlying causes are very different behind why at times the U.S. men's national team and the U.S. women's national team struggle to create chances, especially against low blocks. That's that's what I would categorize as a major issue for both of these teams. But to be honest, that's just an issue for everybody. Like breaking down a low block is is absolutely the hardest thing to do in soccer. Not as hard as hitting a home run, but it, it is a hard thing to do in soccer. For the men's national team, the biggest thing that holds them back from creating chances with possession, in my view at least, and people can disagree, is that they don't have great players. They have good players, but without the absolute best, most skilled players in the world, using the ball to break down a team is really hard. Like Manchester City can do that because they have the absolute best players in the world, but even they don't do it perfectly, right? I think that shows how hard it is to do that kind of thing. As a quick sidebar, I don't think the way the U.S. has chosen on the men's side to play is a bad idea necessarily because there are benefits to keeping the ball, like defensive benefits. If you have it, the other team can't score, all that stuff. I think that that makes sense, and we are seeing them get better at the possession stuff before our eyes. But that doesn't really change the fact that creating chances without the best of the best is just really stinking hard. So that, that's the men's national team. The women's national team, the underlying cause behind some of their attacking issues, in my opinion, is that they seem to lack ideas in the final third. Like, to consistently create chances. They don't lack talent. I mean, maybe they lack, like, an Alexia Puteas, who's just this perfect on-ball kind of presence who can control everything, find a through ball. Maybe they don't quite have that kind of player, but they have players that can do the job, right? I mean, Rose Lavelle is fantastic on the ball. Ashley Sanchez, Savannah DeMello, Lindsey Horan can play a pass. Like, they have the talent to do this stuff in midfield and certainly in the attack as well. But they lack ideas, which I have always sort of tracked back when watching this team play at the Olympics and watching them fail there, Taylor, with with you and Jordan. Like, and all throughout Vlaco's tenure, really, you can look and sort of see this team just doesn't have clear vision in the final third. And I, I sort of trace that blame back, at least partially, to Vlaco and the coaching staff for not preparing them very well. So, yeah, similar outcomes, like similar outcome in that they end up crossing a lot, which is kind of the natural fall back. If you can't figure out a way through, you'll just go around or you'll go over. They tend to cross a lot. Um, the women's national team tends to be a bit more direct and the men's national team kind of gets sluggish on the ball when Pulisic or Reyna or whoever take eight touches instead of three. Like maybe those things are sort of slightly different, but the outcome is, is basically the same. They end up not creating, but I think the cause is coaching versus lack of talent for the most part, even though there are some other causes along the way. I think those are the, the main things that drive these issues. I think Joe has pretty much hit the nail on the head. The only other thing I would add, which is more of an intangible and one that I'm going to guess Joe is less inclined to go with, is just the idea that the U.S. women have won a lot and have won a lot not having to really play a team-wide style of play. I think so often they've been able to get by on individuals or individual combinations, but you don't really have, I can't really think of a time, maybe this is my ignorance showing, but I can't think of a time when it was like, oh, this is clearly the way they're trying to play, they're trying to attack through here and then spread it wide and then do this and then do that and have the passing moves and interchange of positions. It feels like so often they've been able to rely on individual performers to make things happen in those big moments or sometimes on set pieces uh, that, that's also gone to their advantage. But I don't think they've had to necessarily evolve as yet, uh, which is a crazy thing to say about a team that has won two World Cups running. Uh, and, and that's not really even necessarily a criticism. I think of it as like when you have th the best and brightest, you can sort of get by with playing the best and brightest. But I think as teams evolve themselves and catch up on the talent level, but then also catch up on the tactical level or, or surpass the U.S. on the tactical level, that's where I think you start to see some of the shortcomings, and that's why I think this World Cup will be really fascinating because it does seem like it's sort of the U.S. having 
a lot of talent and a little bit of that attacking identity going up against teams, maybe not until the semifinals, but going up against teams that I think are, are more likely to have a sort of sustained identity and pattern of play. And I think that's where it could be a bigger challenge. On the men's side, I think it is pretty much entirely just that the overall consistent lack of quality from position to position. Every time we think we have the center back situation sorted, now we have no left backs. Oh, now we've got a left back, but now we have no number nines. I think you always have areas of deficiency on the U.S. men's side, uh, and that allows them to basically, or that goes hand in hand with them being more defensive and being better at playing on the count, on the break, going up against more def- defensive teams. I think that's where they, they do tend to struggle, as Joe said. So I think there's a few other things in there, but largely Joe, as always, uh, pretty on the nail. And I'm glad Joe mentioned just how difficult it is to break down a low block and how yeah. difficult it is to find those players. Because even if you look at the elite level, I mean, if we're we're looking on the men's side, go through the big six Premier League teams right now. How many of those teams have truly world-class yeah. uh, deep-lying playmakers? And th- these teams have all the money in the world and they still struggle to find those sort of players. So we, we've spoken a number of times about how difficult it is to find a number nine. But equally, I'd say deep-lying playmakers who can play through low blocks or at least help play through low blocks, they are unicorns yeah. as well. Uh, and and on that note, uh, I think it was one of the TIFO guys maybe a month or so ago on Twitter was saying, like, we always use this idea of, oh, that coach struggles against the low block. That str- coach struggles with conveying ideas of how to break down a low block. And the question was, who does do that well? Right. Who is the coach that you point to as like, yep, that guy knows how to beat a low block? And the answer is no one, yeah. because it's really hard to do, and there are varying ways to do it. But if you have one identifiable way the low block is going to adjust to nullify that. And then that one identifiable way doesn't really work anymore. So that is a, to some extent, a cliche. I think that's an easy way to basically say they're playing against a really defensive team and they're struggling to create much. So they're struggling against the low block and we can move on. Yeah. And I know this isn't what you're saying, Taylor, because I think that's a great point, but I I just want to clarify, at least in my view, I think there are ways to set up a team to do better against the yeah, low block right sure. like to like sure. give your give yourselves a, a better chance of making it through you're never guaranteed and soccer is a super high variance game where there's maybe like 18 shots in a game and one crazy one could go in and all your good ones might not go in and you'll get them the next time like that's kind of how this goes and so you there are no guarantees in this sport but you know you could try to do something other than cross the ball just as as an example and i think that's <laughs> that's a lot of what we've seen from the women's national team we'll see what that ends up looking like Taylor, you kind of looked forward to the World Cup. We'll see what that looks like in literally a month. Wise words from man who picked an amateur team as the team he's hey, going to buy. Hey. That's, that's, that's what a quick round of research has shown me, Joe, that uh, you picked a non-professional team who are valued at 800,000 pounds. So at least you get some money left over. BJ has never lost a tournament. I'm just going to put it that way. Trust in BJ. Yes. He's going to help the infrastructure. He also feels like a guy that could like build a stadium if you needed him to. Um, so I, I think BJ is going to be the pillar for this club. Not without BJ the help Callahan of Dutch apps. He owns a construction <laughs> site. Both, both, true to both of those things, construction site <laughs> and not without the champs. Can't leave them at home. All right, Joey, thank you very much for that question. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we are talking about the Saudi League. Back shortly. New game day shirt, boom, cash back. Food for the tailgate, boom, Cash back. Even buying a round can earn you cash back when you use your debit card. And yes, I said debit card. 
With Discover Cashback Debit, everyone can earn cash back on everyday purchases. Look, in sports, it's hard to predict who is taking the win, but you know what's guaranteed to win? Discover Cashback Debit. Oh, and did I mention there are no fees, period? I'm telling you, this one, it's a real game changer. Check out transaction eligibility and terms at discover.com slash cashbackdebit. Discover Bank, member FDIC. Did you know that even if you have a 401k for retirement, you can still have an IRA? Robinhood has the only IRA that gives you a 3% boost on every dollar you contribute when you subscribe to Robinhood Gold. But get this, now through April 30th, Robinhood is even boosting every single dollar you transfer in from another retirement account with a 3% match. That's right, no cap on the 3% match. Robinhood Gold gets you the most for your retirement thanks to their IRA with a 3% match. This offer is good through April 30th. Get started at Robinhood.com slash boost. Subscription fees apply. And now for some legal info. Claim as of Q1 2024 validated by Radius Global Market Research. Investing involves risk including loss. Limitations apply to IRAs and 401ks. 3% match requires Robinhood Gold for one year from the date of first 3% match. Must keep Robinhood IRA for five years. The 3% matching on transfers is subject to special terms and conditions. Robinhood IRA available to U.S. customers in good standing. Robinhood Financial LLC member SIPC is a registered broker. Dealer. Total Soccer Show, welcome back to our listener question mailbag, which contains a question from Jacob Warnaker. Which USMNT player is most likely to be approached by the Saudi League? And if they went there, would that make you more inclined to watch games from said league? Now, Taylor, for me, the name that jumped out at me immediately from the USMNT, who could go to the Saudi League, is Mr. Christian Pulisic. For no other reason other than that he seems to be for sale and that Chelsea's owners have allegedly, allegedly uh, some connection with the Saudi investment fund, which would make this transaction rather easy and more likely in my view. Yep. Uh, Ryan, for listeners, also threw up the air quotes while saying allegedly, allegedly, Mm -hmm. just to make sure the fire truck of lawyers aren't needed. Yeah. I think everything you said about Pulisic checks, as well as I think they want high-profile signings, and I think for the U.S., he is probably the highest profile on a global scale. I think he's the name that probably most people know when it comes to the USMNT, if they know somebody, uh, and I think that would be one uh, that they could maybe build a little bit of mo- a little bit of marketing off of. There is the Aramco team. Graham and I talked about this. Uh, the Arab American oil company bought a, a team in the second division. So maybe you bring Christian Pulisic in to play for that team in the second division in Saudi Arabia. I think Gio Reyna would be fascinating for, for similar reasons to Pulisic and then the Gio Reyna-ness of it all. But he's one who also seems to be uh, for sale this summer and could be a Pretty big splash signing, and I think would probably do pretty well in the Saudi League. And then Serginho Dest was the other one that I had, just because he also seems surplus to requirement yep. at Barcelona and Milan. Mm. Uh, seems to be a bit okay with a with a wander. We've seen him on street corners in random cities where the U.S. is playing, just doing Sorry, his own thing. So let's have yeah. There's like I feel like it's a recurring thing that I've seen of him of somebody being like. Is this Serginho Dest and just taking a photo of a random person like walking down the street in a city where the U.S. is playing? And it is him. He just seems to go out and do his own thing away from the team. So uh, maybe maybe in Saudi Arabia he'll be able to do exactly that and wander around the country. But yeah, I have Serginho Dest, I have Gio Reyna, but I think Christian Pulisic is probably, if somebody were going to go, Pulisic seems the most high profile. 
Yeah, he's on one hundred and fifty thousand pounds a week as well, and the way things are going, I'm not sure he gets that salary somewhere else. So look, I'm not saying he should go to Saudi Saudi Arabia, the the, the Saudi Pro League. I don't think that is a great move for his career from a footballing point of view. But if he wants to stay like rich, then maybe that's the place for him to go. Yeah, Joe, how do you feel about this question? Um, I. I feel for the second part of the question that pretty much nothing that happens on the USMNT transfer front will make me more inclined to watch games from that league. So the, the, (laughs) what's the word? The, not the criteria. What's the thing with the little star, the asterisks, maybe that, I guess the asterisks here is I would watch clips. Like if any of these US players went and we were going to track them and talk about them on the show, I would watch either their games or just clips of their games on Y scout, but it's not going to make me watch two other teams play each other when they don't really relate. So I I don't think it's going to drastically change my desire to watch games in the Saudi league. I still haven't, even after some of this, this uh, transfer stuff's been going on. And and Ronaldo obviously led that charge as far as players that I think would be most likely to go. Taylor, you said Sergio Dest. He's totally on my list. He's been vibing around kind of everywhere he's been, you know, even when he's not been playing soccer. He just seems like the kind of guy who would end up in Saudi Arabia without even realizing it. And and you sort of like, oh, how, how, did I, how did I get here? Is my Bulls jersey here? Oh, okay, cool. And, and he'd be fine. Uh, also, not a, not a real Bulls jersey, by the way. Um, so he's on my list. And then John Brooks <laughs> is the other one, legitimately. Uh, important player for Hoffenheim right now, but he made a move to Benfica. That was his first time playing professional soccer outside of Germany at the club level. Did, didn't work out. Maybe he wants another move and, and another, like, last large payday. He just feels like the player, you know, when Ronaldo was first going and we were kind of looking through the players that were already in Saudi Arabia, and you're like, oh, that's where that guy went. Like, Kaku's here. Okay, that's interesting. Pitti Martinez is here. Gregor Krakowiak, the guy who plays 87,000 different games for Poland, is here right now. I, it feels like John Brooks belongs with that list of players, less the mm. Benzema, Ronaldo you know, Koulibaly, whatever list of players, I think he would fit right in with that first wave and people would forget that he wasn't just there all along. Yeah, I, Joe, I, I have got kind of two um, train of, trains of thought here. So I've gone for Pulisic and Wes McKenney as like the big splashy, big name signings at, at, along the same lines of players like Ronaldo and Benzema and those guys. But then there is there is a divide in the Saudi Pro League where some of the promoted teams that maybe don't have the money of the Al-Etihads and the Al-Nassars, they are shopping at kind of a lower level. So in Scotland right now, there's a number of Scottish Premiership stars that apparently have offers from the Saudi Pro League. And so my American, my USMNT player who would fit that bill is Hadji Wright. Hadji Wright feels like a Saudi Pro League signing and waiting. Prolific in Turkey, but not to the level that will attract Premier League attention. So maybe that big money offer from Saudi Arabia is more attractive to him than other other players. And as I say, maybe not one of the PIF-owned clubs. So they recently bought out four Saudi Pro League clubs. And so they've got as much money as uh, you can you can ever dream of to, to sign players in the transfer market. So maybe not those clubs, but yeah, maybe one of the promoted teams or something signing uh, Hadji Wright. Uh, Joe, you mentioned in your answer that if a big USMNT player was to go to Saudi, you'd watch some clips, which I'm sure is really encouraging them to um, to sign said player. What would what would push you over? What would make Wait, you more inclined to watch can, the league? Can I ask a question in between that one? I have a list. Joe has said he wouldn't. He would only watch the clips. Joe, at what point are you actually watching this team week in and week out? Yeah, right. If they have Balogun, is that enough? Um, probably. Probably not. Like, I okay. probably would still That's just fine. watch clips and, and maybe, like, catch a catch a game here and there. Okay. Now they've also signed Matt Turner. 
Mm, this is gonna, <laughs> can I just watch like all the shots for and the shots conceded? I think that's the, okay. I think that's the way to go. <laughs> now they've added Gio Reyna. Yeah, I think I think I think that probably does it for me. Well, let's get to three. You know, more than a quarter of the outfield players. I was I was I was mixed on which one should come next. I think if I were going with Joe, trying to pull Joe Lowry in specifically, the fourth player that I would add to the team would be Chris Richards. Yeah, that feels good. I just wrote okay, a feature okay. on him for for Batman, wow. by the way, See? for folks that I haven't, that. haven't uh, <laughs> there we go. haven't checked that out. But yeah, I, right, so Chris I, Richards tips it. Yep. I'm quite interested as a general concept. What would get us or a general soccer fan yeah. to watch this league? I'm on probably the close already, to be honest. Yeah. I mean, uh, the the way. It's really accelerated over the last two, three weeks, even since Taylor and I did that did that 101, where at that time it felt like they were going after aging stars who were in the twilight of their career. And at that point, I wasn't really interested. But now you've got guys like uh, Ruben Neves, and I'm kind of blanking on some other names here just because there's been so many. But Caldo Koulibaly, Edouard Mendy, basically the entire Chelsea B team is there now. But it does feel like the, the dynamic has shifted a little bit. And if they get a international TV deal... I mean, I watch... I used to watch some of the Chinese Super League games when they were on the TV on Sky in the, in, oh, that in, was you. in the morning. And um, and I watched some of the A-League games as well. So I, I am, yeah, I'm pretty close, I have to say. It, it is insane how much Chelsea have made off of this. Ryan, I appreciate your air quotes, but my goodness, they have, they have done some business off this. I still think uh, it, it's going to be difficult to ever pull away players fully from the idea of playing in the Champions League and playing for some of the world's biggest clubs. But Graham, I, I'm with you. I wouldn't want to watch it. I have many issues with Saudi Arabia that we've talked about on the show. Uh, but still, when you look at the players they are bringing in, and I think the players that they'll continue to bring in, I maybe I'm just buying into the hype. I do feel like this is a fairly seismic change in the global soccer landscape in a way that I never felt about China, for example. That always felt sort of flash in the pan, uh, sort of at the, at the bequest of, of Xi. They go out and bringing these players and 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 buy clubs and then the they change the policy and now never mind we're not doing that anymore. It seems like Saudi Arabia could do that, but this does feel like part of yeah. a much larger, broader plan. Uh, and I, I think they will continue to have a lot of appeal to to some players around the world. So I think we're going to continue to see big players moving there. And at a certain point, I think out of curiosity, it will start to get clicks. It will start to get some interest. I don't know if it will have the staying power, but I also wonder if maybe we're meant to be the target audience versus Africa, the Middle East, maybe uh, parts of Asia. Uh, I think there is a pretty large interest in having a predominant or a, a, a Muslim country having one of the dominant leagues or a dominant league with a ton of big name players. I, I think there, there will be broad appeal for a good long while. Yeah, Romano was reporting yesterday that Marco Verratti is the player one one of the players that they're going after he has an offer and he's considering it while the chinese super league made waves and they signed oscar and hulk they were never going after or if they were going after they were failing to sign um like best in position players like marco verratti is probably a top mm -hmm. 10 central midfielder right now in european football that that feels as you you use the word seismic there taylor that that's the word i would use as well all right, Jacob, thank you very much for that question indeed. We're going to go now to Ira Jersey, who says, My son Isaac and I discussed the top five players currently yeah. in CONCACAF recently. Isaac he has been listening to this show since he was not but a, but, but a wee wee youngster, and he is now, I believe, getting 
close to college, well, we, which is terrifying. We should apologize for that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Are you saying we played a part in his upbringing, Taylor? Is that what you're saying? Oh uh, Yeah, for sure. I'm sure Ira will love that. Uh, Ira, you're welcome for us claiming that one. Graham did all the bad stuff. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, Ira continues that his son suggested Kayla Navas would be on that list of the top five players currently in CONCACAF. Although this is a difficult assignment because of the differences in positions, who would be on your respective top five lists and would Navas be among them? So we're going to go around the horn and get your top five players currently in CONCACAF. Taylor Rockwell, I mm. nominate you as tribute to go first. Uh, I am very uncomfortable with my answer to this Same. question. Because I have so <laughs> many Americans on this list. Oh, wow. And I yep, here we don't go. know if that's recency bias. I don't have Kaylor Navas on there anymore. That might just be because we haven't seen him in so long because uh, nobody values him properly and maybe he could spring one on us. But I think he is getting up there in age. Still probably one of one of the best goalkeepers in CONCACAF, but I'm not even sure he is the best goalkeeper. So that's a bit of a shout. So I don't have him in my top five. I think Alfonso Davies is number one on that list. I feel like Joe has said similar things recently. I think for Mexico, Edson Alvarez is somebody that I always rate and think is a very important player to them, can do a number of things. And then I have three Americans. Uh, I think Pulisic, at least for the hype, I think a lot of the consensus would be Pulisic. I think there are uh, issues in his game. For me personally, I would have Tim Weah on that list. I would also have Weston McKinney on that list. So I don't think Navas is on there, and I feel... Again, very uncomfortable with how many Americans I do have. I, I flirted with putting Mikel Antonio on there because he has been so good for so long in England. But uh, but yeah, not having Kaylor Navas on that also feels fairly seismic to me. Wait, who was number oh, two? Who, Taylor, who was number two on your list? Uh, it's, uh, I think I had it as Davies, Pulisic, Alvarez, Wea, McKinney. Alvarez, okay, gotcha. Mm -hmm. So can I have a quick clarification? Are we... Are we taking this as a, as a general judgment on the quality of these players or a judgment on their performances for in CONCACAF, like for their national teams. I, I did it generally. Yeah. Because my answer, that's my answer would be it. very different yeah. if it was like national teams within CONCACAF. Yeah, do, I, I, I think do your thing. Yeah. Okay, cool. Shall I give you my five names? Do it. Alfonso Davies, Christian Pulisic, Jonathan David, Chucky Lozano, and then the fifth one I'm a little bit nervous about, but I, I, I stand by it, Sergino Dest. I, I think Sergino Des has had a really bad season, but is still a top five CONCACAF player. On the street corner. I like it, Graham. <laughs> uh, Joe, who you got? Yeah, so this, this is impossible. And I'm glad that you guys also found it to be difficult because none of our lists even come close to matching up outside of Alfonso Davies being on all of them. And I guess Christian Pulisic being on all of them. So I have Alfonso Davies as my number one. I think that is so clear. And then everything else is so murky. I do have yep. Kaylor Navas as number two on the list. But honestly, like, I just have no idea. So he he was playing in the Premier League last year for Nottingham Forest, was basically like an average goalkeeper, and was pretty average in France the year before that. But he was an absolute rock star in World Cup qualification for Costa Rica. Like, he was unreal in the Ocho. And, and he still seems to show up for his club. And so I don't know how we weight that, Graham, kind of like you were asking club versus country or, or whatever. But Navas is still on the list for me. And then I've got Christian Pulisic in the third spot, Jonathan David in the fourth spot, and Faloran Balogun in the fifth spot. I don't know, man. It could be McKenney or Musa or Adams or Reyna. Like, I'm not even sure Christian Pulisic is the U.S.'s best player, like let alone the third best player in CONCACAF. You know, yep. Maybe Chucky Lozano or Edson Alvarez belong on here. I think that maybe Santiago Jimenez is going to make a strong run this season. Like It's just so murky once you get past Alfonso Davies. But 
you know, a lot of quality nonetheless. I also thought about Antonio, but I don't think he scored quite enough when I looked at, at some yeah. of the numbers. And yeah, it's this is hard, man. This is really, really yeah. hard. What one prediction I have, Taylor, you already had him in your top five, but I reckon twelve months from now all of us will have Edson Alvarez Alvarez on our on mm-hmm. our list. He is on the he's um on the brink of signing for Dortmund, I believe, from Ajax. And I just think um us watching more of him in the Bundesliga yeah. coupled with a higher platform, we'll see his quality over the over the next twelve months. Yeah, ag- agree with that entirely, Graham. And then I, I think the say, same of Tim Weah. Uh, I, I felt this way for like a couple of years now that I think he has the most potential to be our first true global superstar from a USMNT perspective. I think he has all the intangibles, obviously has the name recognition, but is backing it up in the way he has developed in his career and now the move he might make to Juve. I feel like he is going to be on this list for a good long while. Uh, I think the same of Edson Alvarez. And Joe, to be honest, you may have swayed me back into Kaylor Navas being like fifth or sixth now because I forgot how many times he stood on his head in the Ocho. And that is a big part of it. I I also genuinely forgot that he played at Nottingham Forest last year, so that might be goldfish brain. Uh, So thank you for that reminder too. But man, it is tricky once you get past basically Alfonso Davies at your number one. Played and survived, Tater. Played and survived, we shall say. It's a difficult question because obviously it's hard hard to empirically compare, say, a goalkeeper to a a midfield or, or something like that but but taylor is it what does it say that any goalkeeper is in the top five players of a, of any given federation is that does that speak to quality in any way or is it just because he's a darn darn good goalkeeper well it's just because he's played it for like real madrid and psg and right. that would be my that's i'm not i'm not my maybe that's different for joe and taylor who have seen more of him for you know costa rica but when I think of Killer Navas, I think yeah. of him playing in the club game. That's where my judgment is drawn my, from rather than... All I'm hearing is Ryan hates goalkeepers. No, no. That's what yeah, I that's it. My, my disparagement wasn't... Disparagement? <laughs> that might be a made-up word. It's not of CONCACAF. It's yeah. of goalkeepers, I suppose. I find it hard to compare their skill to an outfield player. And that's... I don't mean disrespect to goalkeepers, but it's just so hard to... Yeah. Rank also, them. you all it are human like garbage. you do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's that too. Um, yeah. Uh, Ryan, I, I well, we're teasing you, justifiably so, because bad take. But also because I, I, I do know what you mean, though. That like because I wanted to say like, would you make that same statement of, huh? And then there is that pause. Like, I, my my guess would be like, peak Manuel Neuer is probably one of the five most important best players in Europe. But even there, it's a probably it is a tricky one with goalkeepers because they can be lights out and be the best at their position, and then you still look at all the other skill players on the team and think. Is Manuel Neuer better than Thomas Muller? It, it gets tricky pretty quickly. Um, but with Keylor Navas, I think because he has been an institution for a Costa Rica team that has been so good in so many different ways, but then has had the cl- club career he's had. But really the thing that, that Joe said, it's just that he has those moments in games where it's just like, oh, okay, you're not scoring today. Like that's how it's going to be. And there are a few players in CONCACAF I think of as being that consistent for so long and also that influential in a game that you can have a, an individual score a goal or score two goals or whatever it may be, but Navas can completely shut down teams, uh, especially in important World Cup qualifiers, that I think that has kind of cemented that status for him, even if I forgot where he played club football last year. So <laughs> maybe it is a CONCACAF thing. Maybe it's also that... Like uh, you need that one, those one or two players to really be lights out if you want to be able to close that gap or get into World Cup qualifying the way Costa Rica have. So I, I think for all those reasons, Keylor Navas is at the very least in my like all-time Concacaf team. Put it that way. Yeah, he's also done it for so long as well. I mean, his 
his breakout tournament was the 2014 World Cup. Um, even before then, he w- he'd been very good for Levante, but that was when everyone, in a global sense, became aware of him, and that was nine years ago. And he's still on, I know he was on loan at Nottingham Forest, but he's still on the books of one of the biggest clubs in Europe, in PSG. Yeah. There we go. Fair enough. All right, thank you very much, Ira, as always, for your question. Let's take a quick break. When we come back, we're changing the rules. Or are we? Back shortly. Today's episode is brought to you by our friends at Shopify, who would like to remind you that not everyone can be Erling Holland or Harry Kane. I would say only Erling Holland and Harry Kane can be Erling Holland and Harry Kane. But more to the point, not everyone can score the number of goals that those two score. Not everyone can set the goal-scoring record. Sometimes you've got to be the teammate. Sometimes you've got to be the assists uh, person. You've got to be Kieran Trippier or Kevin DeBarna. You've got to spread the ball around. You've got to help facilitate that attacking play and those goals to help get the results you want. Because you need that perfect teammate. And when you need a perfect teammate when it comes to growing your business, Shopify has you covered. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business, from the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. That feels like a good stage to be at. Shopify is there to help you grow along the way. How do they do that? Well, Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms. And you can sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. So you don't have somebody kind of following you around the online store just saying, can I help you, can I help you, can I help you? Nobody needs that in real life or online, but Shopify's AI gets the job done. And that is a very unique aspect of Shopify that no matter how big your business is, and that's something I really appreciate, you can be a a podcast just starting up, a podcast that's been here for a while, or a business that actually makes money. Either way, uh, Shopify is going to help you because that's what they are all about. Sign up for just $1 per month uh, trial period at shopify.com slash TSS, all lowercase. Uh, One more time, go to shopify.com slash TSS now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in, shopify.com slash TSS. This episode is brought to you by LinkedIn Jobs, who would like to remind you when you're hiring for your small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role. You don't want to end up with Ryan, Graham, and Joe. Just kidding. Just kidding. Very much just kidding, because I was very fortunate to have the three of them all join the show, and I had existing relationships with all three of them that allowed me to know that they could handle the the the, uh, the amount of work that would be required, that they could be diligent in their tasks and be very effective on mic, and they, all three of them are. But again, that's because you have the existing relationship. If you don't feel like you have that with potential hires, then LinkedIn is going to make it very, very easy, and they're going to make it feel like you're connected to that person. They have a vast network of more than a billion professionals, which makes it the best place to hire because it gives you access to professionals you can't find anywhere else. But when you are setting the requirements and making it very specific as to what you're looking for, you can very quickly narrow it down to find the right candidate for that position. Hiring is easy when you have that many candidates. So easy, in fact, that 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. 
And LinkedIn is constantly finding ways to make the process easier. They even just launched a feature that helps you write job descriptions, making the process even easier and quicker. 2.5 million small businesses use LinkedIn for hiring, and you can too. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash TSS. That's linkedin.com slash TSS to post your job for free. Terms and conditions do apply. Thank you very much to LinkedIn for sponsoring today's episode. Welcome back to the Total Soccer Show and our listener questions. We have one here, or oh, it's coming from Stu from the Discord. Stu from the Discord. Graham, why isn't it Discord Stu? That would make oh, sense. Right? Because Discord Stu doesn't advertise, right? <laughs> hey, excellent. Very excellent. Good. Uh, Discord Stu says... By the way, can... listeners, Joe Blankface on that one, just so you know. <laughs> Joe, just watch it. Honestly, just just sit down. What am I even supposed to be watching? To... I don't even know what's going on right now. Uh, if you need to be told, you don't deserve to know. Oh, oh it's, it's Family Guy. It's got to be Family Guy. It is not. How the other you? one. All right. Yeah, cool. Let's move on. <laughs> Discord Stew says you can choose Pep or Erling Haaland to improve a team of your choice. Who do you pick? So, Joe, I'll come to you first. You've got to pick, peck, you've got to pick either Pep or Erling Haaland and pick a team and tell me why they are improving them. Let's go. Okay, so I love this question as well. We've had a lot of really great questions on the show. This this took me down some interesting mental pathways that I didn't expect to to have happen on a Tuesday morning. Um, so great great question. I'm gonna go with Erling Holland for most cases and most teams, and I will pick a team in just a second. He obviously has a more direct impact on games than Pep because he's on the field and gets to touch the ball when it's in play. Uh, it's also clear that he fits more styles, like more teams and, and more players. Than Pep Guardiola. We've seen that with him playing for RB Salzburg, this super aggressive direct team. We've seen him do a little bit more possession-y stuff with Borussia Dortmund. And then we've seen him lean all the way into playing in a team full of really high-level possession players from Manchester City. And he's had success in all of those places. So my teams, I'm going with Phoenix Rising, obviously, and the U.S. men's national team, both of them. I'm I'm picking Erling Holland. He's going to do the most damage and help improve the team more than Pep, who has Pep Guardiola in the past specifically talked about the fact that, you know, a lot of his success is due to having great players like Pep Guardiola can't play his way with a bunch of players. Like if there were 11 me's out there on the field who can barely pass the ball, that's not going to cut it. Right. And even 11 professional players who just aren't elite on the ball in tight spaces, it's not going to cut it for Pep Guardiola. So for Phoenix Rising, we have some good USL players. They're they're not really going to have a lot of success playing Pep Guardiola ball. But I think they would have success finding Erling Holland streaking it behind the back line. And the same thing kind of goes for the men's national team. For the women's national team, if I could pick like an incredible striker for the USWNT or any, you know, maybe other coach. Like if I could pick Pep or, or a really good striker, I, I will go for Pep. Because like we talked about earlier, I think the talent is there. They're just missing like a, a really quality voice to be able to sort of get everybody rowing in the same direction all the time. I think Pep would be the right pick there, but I'll, I'll go Holland for any team that's basically not already elite. All right. Is there not a, a, a difference in terms of what level we're talking about here? So, for instance, if it's like an elite level team, if you're saying to me, Manchester United, pick one, I'm picking Pep every single day of the week because of the talent level there. Whereas if I'm saying Sterling Albion, if I can pick yeah. one, I'm taking Erling Haaland, yeah. which is related to the stuff you were saying yeah, there, Joe. It's the same. Absolutely. You can kind of plug and play Haaland at any level and he will score goals, whereas I think Pep at Sterling Albion would be an interesting experiment, but I, I'm not sure it would uh, it would go very well or certainly that he would find it very enjoyable. 
I yeah, I think that's what Joe is getting at. And I would say I love the idea of like if we can pick any team, like my nephew's U nine team. Let's get Erling Holland in there and see what happens. <laughs> well, I think Pat. he's gonna do just fine. Um, I, Pep would be interesting. I I enjoy this question as well, Joe. I I went with Pep uh, because. And I went down a, a long mental rabbit hole sure. on this one. But basically, I think Holland could be successful with a lot of clubs. I think he could also be a challenge. I don't think Dortmund truly figured out how best to use him. Injuries are a big part of that. Uh, but but I think that there are limitations to his game. And I think there's a, for people who've seen season three of Ted Lasso, there's a Zava problem with Erling Holland that if you have him in your team, I think there's going to be a strong inclination to just get the ball to Holland and he'll figure it out. And it's sort of dilutes the talent of the team. And if the question is truly, how do you improve a team of your choice? I think it'd be interesting to have Pep make a jump and manage the Richmond kickers or manage the U.S. men's national team or manage an MLS team because there are those limitations. I honestly think that's a thing we might see him do is that thus far his career has been the biggest clubs and the expectation that he's going to win a treble, win the Champions League, win the title every single time. And I could see him wanting to manage a smaller club or a less successful club and see if those methods are still successful because it's a way to challenge himself and to, and to try to raise players from being okay to good, to, to raise players from being 17th in the table to 12th in the table. Uh, and so I think that would be an interesting experiment in can he do that? Can he be less demanding and more developmental with players if he doesn't have, you know, another 50 million pound left back ready to go when that other player is sort of surplus to requirement. Uh, I think it would be interesting to see what he could do. And so for me, that would make it Pep pretty much always, uh, unless it's my nephew's U9 team, in which case Erling Holland all the way. Your, your nephew doesn't play striker, does he? You're not replacing your nephew with him, are you? That would be cruel. <laughs> I mean, my nephew also wore a Holland Manchester City jersey as his team jersey. I think that's what his team wears. So really, it's on him at this point. He, he, he sowed the seeds of his own destruction. <laughs> Fair enough. Graham, where did you land? Um, Pep, at an elite, uh, at elite level, pretty much every time, I agree with uh, Taylor. And I want to see Pep at Celtic. So from a second mention of Celtic on this show. But I think third. From a... <laughs> Third mention of Celtic <laughs> on this show. I swear I'm not a fan, but from uh, Scotland, Graham loves Celtic. Would be it's actually Graham loves Celtic. It's crazy. I, I as love much as he loves Rangers. Yeah, <laughs> it's weird. He's got that like divided jersey. It's like green He's, and then blue. Right? It's so strange. I couldn't it's, believe that he wore the half jersey with the half scarf, and then he flipped the side so Rangers were on the left yeah, and the jersey yeah, Celtic on no, the right. Okay, no. Joe, you're okay. getting deported. Joe, with, you haven't even that. seen the tattoos. One on each cheek. It's very impressive. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're they're hidden. They're hidden. You can't. Which cheeks? With yeah, that. exactly. Which cheeks? There we go. <laughs> I've seen Graham's face, so I think I can answer that question. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> um, Pep to Celtic. Postacoglu's left behind some kind of pet ball things. And I'm with Taylor. I'd like to see, I don't think it'll ever happen, but I'd like to see Pep try and do a Mourinho Porto sort of thing. And Celtic would be similar if he could do that. I don't think it's likely. I don't know if he'll be able to pull it off, but I want to see what he would do at yeah. a club like Celtic. Do you all think this, this? Some of the questions have been combined in my head at this point. I I don't think Pep goes to Saudi Arabia, but that does seem like a person that they would go after and offer an insane amount well, of money. Yeah. He he obviously went to Qatar as a player. He's also a Qatar ambassador, so that might get in the yeah. way of things. <laughs> yeah, but but Taylor, yes, like to your question, yes, we think about the players that Saudi Arabia have gone after, starting kind of all this wave with Ronaldo. 
I mean, Pep Guardiola is what, like the third biggest name in soccer? He's a top five biggest name mm-hmm. in soccer. Forget player, coach, you know, yeah. whatever. It's Messi, it's Ronaldo. Pep is right up in there along with Mbappe and Holland and, and maybe still Jose Mourinho's and that in that yeah. like he's he's one of those guys. Man. So so you think he would go then? Because I'm not sure I'm not I don't sure know that he would go, but, but I think they would ask. Yeah. Okay. I'm also advocating he managed the Richmond Kickers in the USMNT and Phoenix Rising all at once. So yes. I don't know which of one of those has more of a reach. Well, there we go. Uh, my answer, by the way, is uh, the team I choose is England and the person I choose is Erling Haaland. I don't have to justify myself, justify myself to any of you guys on that one. Uh, but Erling Haaland belongs to England. You and already have Kane. Yeah, but think of Maybe- Haaland. Maybe he should have been nicer to his dad, and then it wouldn't have been such an issue. <laughs> yeah. Touche. Touche. Yeah, don't break his dad's legs. Although that was an Irishman. That, <laughs> that wasn't an Englishman. Yeah, to be fair. To be fair. To be fair. To be fair. Thank you very much, Discord Stute, for that one. Uh, one final question from Chip Rockets. That's a great handle. The TSS gang has once again been given an obscene amount of power over soccer rules. This time, instead of what rules you would change... What rule or rules would you like to make permanent for all of eternity? And there's bonus points for Taylor if he can recollect the Brooklyn 99. Brooklyn 99, that's what I call it now. Deep cut there. Is that Chip Rockets, Taylor? Is that a... Is that a- uh, it is. I didn't get that at first. And I kept rereading the question being like, does Jake say permanent for all eternity? <laughs> I could not figure out what it was until, yes, Chip Rockets is Jake's roller sk- skating sidekick when he poses as a BMX drug courier. Uh, Charles is the best. Charles Boyle is the best. Uh, I think I understood this question correctly. It's basically rules that exist now that we would make permanent for, permanent for eternity rather than rules now that we would like to change correct yes okay yeah, is this not essentially rules that we are safeguarding from gianni yeah. infantino doing yeah. something too yeah which is why my number one uh i i've maybe cheated a little bit here but my rule number one is uh the officially no super league for forever uh that's rule number one for me <laughs> and then rule number two because with this question is really fascinating in that there's so many things that jumped out but then i'm like well like, I could see them evolving that. I could see that being done better. Maybe I do want penalties changed. Maybe goalkeepers should be able to come off their line. So there's so many nuanced things in there that I, I'm just choosing to embrace chaos, and I'm making it a rule that VAR or the implementation of VAR must continue to change every single year. Uh, I want to make it truly impossible to understand. So just when you think you understand <laughs> it, we're changing it again. Maybe one year, if you're onside, you're actually offside. And vice versa, but only sometimes. See, wouldn't that be fun just to have the complete chaos that we never know exactly what's happening with VAR, and we just continue that for forever? That's something I'm comfortable with. So VAR being confusing and murky for eternity, that's what I'm going with. I mean, you're describing something we already have. Exactly. That is what happens every season. I'm codifying it, baby. <laughs> now now it's official. But like, but like, if it's official, just take big swings. Like, you know what? Offside no longer exists this season, and VAR is there to... If there is offside, just to say, like, yeah, that would have been called previously. And then the next season, it's even harsher than it's ever been from one season to the next. No rhyme or reason. Let's just really embrace the chaos. Yeah. Okay. Um, I Graham, I think I want to keep the ball round. I'm going to codify that. Um, I want it to be played by humans <laughs> and not in the metaverse. Chaos. We'll keep that in play for me. Um, my, my actual answer is similar to Taylor's. I want to keep the World Cup every four years permanently. I do yep. not want it every three or every two or every six months. Thank you very much. Yeah, certainly not two. I mean, am I am I secretly a, 
open somewhat to three years potentially um but i agree never two years so i'm i i could be swayed right can let's you go four years let's can you that unpack in. that graham is it just like two years is too often but three years is maybe okay uh, yeah i'm not sure i can unpack it just okay. two years mm-hmm. seems I, I i watched the gold cup and i'm like wait didn't this happen last week and that uh that 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 feels mm-hmm. like uh what could yeah. happen to the world cup where three years is three years a lot is a long time somehow three years feels a lot longer than two years i don't yeah, know basically really Joe, the logic there is one bowl of porridge was too hot, one was too cold, and he went for the one that was just right. Right. That checks out. Classic classic British thing to do on that one. Yeah, yeah. I, I went um, with on porridge-related rules. I, I'm, like Taylor, a little concerned with there just not being more soccer or really different soccer because I think we've already kind of tapped a lot of players out. Sorry, Pedri, that you've been obliterated on the field for 87 consecutive games for Spain <laughs> and Barcelona. And we saw that come back to bite him last season. Like I, I think that is going to continue to be a problem that is probably under discussed because soccer is fun. And I, I like watching soccer and people like watching and playing this sport, obviously, but there is a line somewhere. So I would like there to be no more competitions. Like we, the, the club world cup expanding is the last one. This is on the men's side, by the way, I think there is more room for, for some maybe iteration on the women's side. I would say no more competitions. You can't do the super league. It's too much. Sorry. I think we'll cut it off just before the champions league format change. Uh, I think that's best for everybody. Swiss style can can have a seat. And I would like <laughs> to keep the U.S. in the Copa America from this point forward. So I, I don't know if that actually is in the spirit of the question, but they're in it right now, ahead of 2024. They're scheduled to be in it. Let's just keep this train rolling and have the U.S. be in the Copa America every time around. Most of the rules of soccer, in terms of ones that are already in place, like if I, if I can't change them, then I'm not really interested in a lot of that stuff. I think soccer is good how it is. There's like room for improvement. But that wasn't Chip's question, and so I, I, I got to obey Chip. Okay. I think um, uh, U.S. being in the Copper America, Joe, is in the spirit of the question, but it's not quite in the spirit of the continent in which uh, the U.S. is positioned. Ooh. <laughs> yep. Good point. Good well, point. Well, yeah. the U.S. is America, Copper America. Nice that one, works. Graham. See, yeah, well, I'm, back in. I'm back in. Yeah, good, good. All right. I'm making the best arguments today. You are. Uh, yeah, offside rule is one that I'm going to protect. I know there's all sorts of opinions on how offside should be judged, but the rule itself, that should always be in place. Because I can imagine Infantino having some sort of galaxy-brained idea that getting rid of offsides would get more attackers on the pitch and there'll be more goals and there'll be more penalty box action and... It's just not going to work like that, is it? So much of football's fluidity, I think, is down to having that defensive yeah. line and how that moves. And so, yeah, don't ever get rid of uh, the offside rule. And also, I like that matches are 90 minutes long. I know Florentino Perez wants to have matches the length of a TikTok video, but 90 minutes feels right to me. It's short enough to be consumable, so it's not like a baseball game or or, or whatever, um, or, or a five-set tennis match. Uh, but it is also long enough to be an endurance test. So, um, yeah, 90-minute matches. And also, only one half time. I don't want three or four breaks for <laughs> commercials in a match. There's only so many times I can watch Gigi Hadid cooking pasta while uh, while drinking Diet Coke or whatever it is. How many times? Once. Okay. <laughs> or zero times. <laughs> Preferably. Good to know. Good to know. So fewer than he can reference Celtic in an episode. Uh, yeah, Graham, <laughs> I, I, th- I think I, I agree with you about all that. And I would add, the offside rule change, especially... It feels like so often in soccer, rules are changed and then have immediate unintended consequences. Golden goal being the greatest example of, oh, it's golden goal. Everyone's going to be going for it. They want to be the hero. They want to score. And in reality, it's no, nobody wants to be knocked out immediately. So both teams sit back and defend the whole game. I absolutely think if you change it to 
change the number of players uh, for offside, or even if you change it to the daylight rule, which I see getting uh, mentioned a lot of there has to be clear daylight for it to be offside. I think it will, rather than do anything in terms of creating more attacking play, it will just make teams stay deeper and be more defensive because you don't trust the rule as much, so you're not going to push out nearly as much. I think it's going to lead to a lot more defensive soccer, if anything. So I, I like the idea of codifying rules that seem like they're as good as they can be for now uh, in hope that they don't get worse. And really, the offside rule has only been changed, what, like three times in... 170 years or something like that. So I'm fine with it staying more or less as it is. And uh, and we don't have Gianni Infantino having four quarters and uh, Gigi Hadid uh, involved in all of them drinking Coca-Cola. Is that is that the divide? Is it the Hadids with Coca-Cola and the Jenners with Pepsi? That's worked out for everybody. I just wow. don't understand why she's cooking pasta. Why is that an advert for Coca-Cola? Is this, is this something that's shown I, in the US? I don't even know what, what I'm talking about. I think it is. No. Yeah, I kind of thought they were eating pizza, but maybe I'm thinking of a different commercial. No, it's definitely pasta because the whole thing is this is Gigi Hadid's pasta party and it's an advert for Coca-Cola. Someone make it make sense. I don't understand. I mean, it makes as much sense as Lionel Messi like enthusiastically eating Lay's potato chips, yeah. a thing that I am confident he has never eaten except in those ads <laughs> mm. when he is contractually obligated Salty to. Salty potato it's, flavor. It, it, never, it never looks like he's entirely sure how to eat them yeah. to, that, to, to that point, Joe. Yeah, Graham, I'm also, watching this commercial right now. I've never seen this before. Never seen this in my life. It's on, it's on UK TV all the time. Every single ad break during a game. It's wow. torture. I, uh, I aggressively avoid all forms of advertisements. I don't think I've seen this yet, but I'll look it up now, Graham, just to see how many times I can watch it in one night. Except, except our sponsors, though, right, Ryan? Right? Right? Yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah, right. in that case, I'd love that um, promotion. <laughs> <laughs> Diet Coke. Yeah, very good. Cheap Rockets, thank you very much for that question. And thank you to all questions that have been submitted. TotalSuckerShow.com slash questions if you'd like to contribute. Taylor Rockwell, for now, thank you very much for your contributions to this here episode. We appreciate you. I appreciate you, my friend. Graham Rutherford, pleasure as always, Mr. Commercial Watcher Guy, you. <laughs> thank you, Ryan Bailey. I'm firmly stuck in the 20th century. You guys are all in the 30th century, not watching you commercials. You've locked it in. You've locked it in. Uh, Joseph Lowry, thank you very much to you, sir. Stay golden, pony boy, etc., and so on. Clang, clang. <laughs> Listener, thank you very much for joining us on this one. We'll be back on the feed very shortly. But for now, bye.